<laughs> I know. Well, thank you for joining me. I appreciate this a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So welcome, welcome back to our podcast, Raw Before Christ. And I have a guest speaker with me today, but before I introduce her, I just want to start with opening up in prayer. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to be able to sit down with a woman of God who just honors your word, God, that just has a passion for mental health and just, God, you've placed her in my life and I thank you so much for this um, connection that you've built, Almighty God, and I just thank you for this uh, podcast where we're able to just pour into others, God, as we pour into each other, God, and I just ask that you have your way, and I ask, God, that you will just, you'll just do what you're doing, God. I just leave everything into your hands, and I give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So I am here with the Reverend Christian Kazi. Why won't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, everyone. Um, thanks so much, Krisha, for having me. I am so excited to join you and join your podcast community. Um, so my name is Kristen, and I uh, am married to a wonderful man named Brad Kazi. Um, we are both ordained ministers and pastor together. We have three uh, awesome children, uh, Kevin, who is 13, and uh, Paxton, who's almost 10 years old, and Haven, who is eight years old. And so we're in a fun season of life and of parenting, um, kind of feel like we're parenting for the first time because we're going into the teen years and pre-adolescent years. So uh, lots of fun, <laughs> lots of craziness. Um, but I'm, uh, yeah, so just a little bit about me. Like I said, we're both pastors. We've been pastoring um, in ministry full-time for the last 15 plus years. And uh, I'm really mostly passionate about uh, caring for others um, in a holistic way, discipleship, and really focusing in on caring for people's soul. Um, kind of how are they doing uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, and just really helping people integrate that into their ongoing discipleship with Jesus. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, for vocation, uh, I serve at our district office, Southern New England Ministry Network, which is the uh, regional office of the Assemblies of God that oversees our credential holders. We have 500 plus credential holders and ministers. And so I work with those ministers, uh, focusing on minister health and minister care. Um, and so I get to do what I'm most passionate also, um, vocationally as well, which I'm really grateful for. So, yeah, is that good? I don't know. If anywhere, <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> that's good. Um, I'm, I'm just so happy that I'm able to sit down and talk with you, especially that you just, you know, you aren't just looking at this from just, you know, a secular point of view, but for people who are, you know, with God and journeying with God, I feel like this is just something that I'm really excited for what God is doing through you. And yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to start off about asking the question of, you know, when it comes on to mental health, um, if our physical illnesses play a part in our mental health, and if that's the case, you know, um, if that's the case, 
does that help us you know whether we have an underlining issue or something does that help us to navigate whether or not we should do counseling or therapy when it comes on to our mental health sure um i think that uh our mental health is integrates or is integrated into our whole self so by that i mean um you know, I think it matters of what's happening in our physical health. It matters what's happening in our mental health and it matters what's happening even in our spiritual health, our relational health, our emotional health. Like right. we are integrated human beings. We're made in the image of an integrated whole God and we are integrated whole beings. And so um, I think the just direct question would be absolutely um, does physical health and mental health tie in together um, for sure. And I think there are times where um, physical illnesses that we have can directly correlate with, um, you know, mental health uh, struggles or challenges that we're facing. For example, if you are struggling with your thyroid, um, you're more than likely going to experience um, different types of anxiety and depression. Um, if you're struggling with hormone imbalances, um, especially as a woman, then again, you may experience different types of mental health challenges. Uh, if you're in perimenopause or you're in menopause, like you're going to experience those things. And then of course there's chronic illnesses, chronic ailments, autoimmune diseases, and all of those that can also produce mental health challenges as well. Um, and so I think, um, does it necessarily mean that you have a physical health issue going on if you're struggling with depression and anxiety? Absolutely not. Um, our bodies are too complex for that. Uh, and our experiences are too complex um, to categorize it that way. But I think it's just the best way to say it is that it, we're, we're integrated. And so we have to be aware of what's going on in our physical health and what's going on in our mental health at the same time. And so, and I think our doctors help us do that. I think um, the medical professionals are the best place to start in trying to navigate if we're um, struggling with a physical health situation or physical illness, is it directly impacting my mental health? And if it is, um, will counseling and therapy help? Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit of just the benefits overall of counseling and therapy, right. um, but it definitely can. Um, and, and there's, of course, like there's studies and, and research into, um, again, that direct link of physical and mental health. And so when, like I was reading an article um, the other day, positivepsychology.com is a website I follow and I get their emails. Um, they talk a lot about different elements of mental health and psychology. And um, it was talking about this issue of uh, physical health related to mental health and talking about how when people individuals are treated for uh, mental health conditions or receive counseling, their physical health improves also along with their mood and other uh, mental health challenges that they're facing. Um, and then I actually made, I went back to the article and made a note of this because um, I knew we were gonna be talking about this today, but I was talking about one study found that um, psychological treatment among individuals with chronic physical conditions um, in the small group that they were, they were testing they decrease their medical costs by $10 for every $1 spent. Um, so in other words, as they were receiving treatment and care for their mental health, um, they were also decreasing the, you know, the symptoms and the other overall need of the physical health issues that they were facing as well. So I think kind of a long story, like a long short of it. Yes, it matters. It's, yeah. it's all connected. And yes, get counseling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I feel like um, 
we normally separate counsel you know not really counseling but mental health we when we think of mental health we don't normally think of the fact that this may be something that's caused by an underlining issue or then you know sometimes you think it's just strictly mental or it's strictly mm-hmm. physical so it's good to know that it could be a contribution of both and knowing and understanding that you know how to take the right steps in order to know you know whether what is going on so I guess the best thing to do is you know get checked up regularly and knowing what Mm -hmm. exactly is going on yeah absolutely like seek counsel outside of yourself like I I remember um back when it's multiple years ago and I was struggling I had been struggling with anxiety and depression and I'd been in counseling for several years and there was so much um counseling helped with that and Um, had really lowered the intensity of the anxiety and depression that I was facing at times. Um, But it wasn't completely going away. And so I actually worked with my counselor at the time to start tracking some of the mood swings and and some of the things I was experiencing. And what I realized was that there was actually, um, I could track it with what was happening hormonally in Mm. in every month in my cycle. And so um, as a woman, I think that's something you just need to be aware of. And so she and I worked together and I ended up seeing my doctor and talking to my doctor about it. And we started addressing it and yeah, it was like, it, it really helped overall, um, just to address the, the mood swings and the overall anxiety that I was kind of thinking like, wait, I'm receiving counseling. And I thought that this was helping and I'm using all these tools. Why is it not going away? Oh no, it's actually my body now that is kind of not, it's in disruption and it needs help being regulated. So yeah. So I think it's safe to say that if you are going through counseling and it still feels like nothing's happening, maybe it's time to check out what's going on on the physical side. And maybe, you know, on the physical side, it feels like nothing's really happening. Sometimes it's best to go on the mental side to see what's going on. So I think the two correlate really well, and it's good to find out what is wrong either side. Well, um, the next thing too, that I kind of wanted to ask is, you know, what does unhealthy mental health boundaries look like? Because we don't really know (laughs) sometimes (laughs) how unhealthy we have, like unhealthy boundaries help us to, you know, not be stable in our mental health. So that's something Mm -hmm. that I really wanted to ask you about. Yeah. I'm, I think that's a a great thought. Great question. and as I think about it, I mean, I, it sounds like such a simple response, but I would say basically like a lack of boundaries, like a lack of intentionality, a lack mm. of awareness, like all of those kinds of things play into um, just our mental health and it impacts us and, and can increase mental health challenges. Um, but I think, you know, some, some specific things, one would be when we uh, disregard our inner life and our inner world. Um, so. For example, we're ignoring um, difficult emotions that we're regularly experiencing, Mm -hmm. um, triggers of anger, sadness, fear, um, anxious thoughts. Like, so our thought life, our thought patterns, like if they tend to be negative and we're not even paying attention to that, then we have unhealthy, um, unhealthy boundaries. Like we're not actually, you know, putting a boundary on how we're thinking. We're not putting boundaries on our um, emotions or, or managing them well. Um, so whether we're ignoring them or (laughs) we are just letting them run wild, Mm -hmm. um, either way, uh, that is, that's not a good thing. And I think, um, just an overall 
kind of approach, unhealthy approach to mental health is actually not understanding what mental health is, like not actually having a good definition. And so um, I found a, de a definition a while back on, uh, on mental health that I really liked, uh, but it's basically mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. So it's impacting how we think, how we feel, how we act, um, but then it ends up determining our levels of stress and how we manage them. It determines how we relate to others, how we make choices. Um, and so if we're ignoring all of that, yeah. then we are having an unhealthy <laughs> approach to, uh, to our mental health. Yeah, I, I feel like that's really insightful and good to know because a lot of times we find ourselves in situations where we feel so overwhelmed and we're just we just have a lot going on in our minds and we just feel off and we don't know mm -hmm. why I'm feeling off, but it's because we don't have healthy boundaries. So yes. I would I would say like the next thing is how do we establish having healthy mental health boundaries? Sure. Um, so yeah, it's so, so true. Um, I think in thinking about this overall conversation, um, we actually, at least from my observation, um, I think it's getting better, but from my observation is we reserve the mental health conversation and thinking about our mental health for those people that may, uh, for those people over there with those issues. So like, I don't have a challenge with my mental health. I haven't been diagnosed with a mental illness. Therefore, I don't have to talk about mental health. I don't have to consider mental health. I don't need to engage in that. It's for those people, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have that perspective, but I, I'm saying, I feel like I observe that in a lot of people um, or, or we compartmentalize out like, again, if I don't have a diagnosed level of, of depression and anxiety, Therefore, I don't need to be thinking too much about my mental health. I don't think, I don't know that we're consciously doing that, but I think that's how we live. Um, and so, and I think that part of that is the stigma and the bias that mm -hmm. is placed upon uh, mental health challenges and struggles and upon um, diagnoses of, of mental illness and things like that. And so as someone who had, you know, 10 plus year uh, battle and challenge with mental health at, at moments, very, very severe depression, anxiety, even suicidal, um, I, you know, suicidal tendencies and thoughts and things like that ideation. Um, this is a very like sensitive topic for me and I'm very passionate about it. And so what I learned through my own struggle, and then I learned through my own studies and counseling and things like that is that we actually need to have a maintenance, like a, a practice for our mental health. And so we do that for our spiritual health. Like those of us that follow Jesus, we've got spiritual disciplines and we have spiritual practices that we implement in our everyday life. Um, for those of us that are really passionate and place an importance on our physical health, we have exercise routine, we have nutrition plans. Um, you know, we have sleep, you know, sleep cycles and plans that we, that we implement. Um, why are we not doing that every day for our mental health? Why do we not sit down, you know, and figure out how do I, actually intentionally, you know, practice mental health. So yeah. in other words, basically what I'm saying is don't reserve it for that season of time that you experience depression. Don't save it for when all of a sudden you realize like I am really suffering from anxiety or, um, you know, I'm really struggling, you know, from a trauma that I experienced, uh, 
but actually be preventative about it. So in other words, our mental health boundaries need to be not just reactionary, but they need to be preventative. And so there's a lot of ways, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can do that. Um, we could talk about that quite a bit. Um, it would take up the whole of this conversation, <laughs> but I think things like, um, you know, actually taking time every day to really journal and reflect on what you're thinking about, um, you know, journaling and reflecting on, you know, at the end of the day, like, how am I doing? How am I feeling? How's my soul? Like, were there moments I was angry today? Were there moments I was, you know, stressed or overwhelmed or afraid? And then kind of sorting through that. And if you can't do that every day, at least be doing it, you know, intentionally several times a week. And we can integrate those things into our spiritual practices, especially, you know, meditating on, you know, scripture is another wonderful way to replace those negative thoughts, you know, with more healthy thoughts. Um, and then another mental health kind of boundary and practice is community, really making sure that you have those few companions on the journey with you that you're processing with, you're sharing with, you're opening your life to, that you're being vulnerable with. Um, and I think, you know, also recognizing that your mental health boundaries and practices come also integrated with your spiritual disciplines as well. And then also physical. I mean, they, there's again, tons of studies that show that physical exercise can reduce anxiety and depression. I think it's by like 60% or more um, and can even uh, reduce the amount of medication that you may have to take for depression and anxiety that physical exercise alone can uh, contribute that way. So lots of ways I could keep going on and I'll, but I'll stop there. <laughs> well, thank you. But I think since starting this podcast, one of the key things, like when you think about someone's emotional well-being or their mental health or when they're struggling with depression I think the major theme that's been coming out is community because we weren't made to be alone and it's just amazing mm -hmm. to realize that if we integrate ourselves in a community that you know is loving and you know especially faith-based how much mm -hmm. healing it can bring to our bodies so I think that's a good um, outlook on how to you know, deal with the things that we're going through is to realize that we're not alone and we can yeah. go through this with others and we get tremendous healing from mm -hmm. that. So that's absolutely. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned about this, the stigmas surrounding mental health. And I know, you know, and people putting off mental health until something tragic happens or you know or whatever mm -hmm. but um I guess my question is for those out there who are thinking why should I do counseling why should I think about my mental health like what are the benefits that come with counseling therapy you know taking care of our mental health mm -hmm. uh oh yeah um so I think um obviously there are a ton of benefits, but I feel like because of the stigma, um, because of other types of barriers that are present, um, it's difficult. It, it's hard to, for some people to wrap their mind around um, counseling. And I think if, um, again, if we're following Jesus in the Christian culture, mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times people would say, I've heard them say, well, as followers of Jesus, we 
know and believe like the Holy Spirit is the greatest counselor and you just need the Holy Spirit. And um, the word of God is our most important guide. You know, it's a lamp unto our feet. And so if I have the word of God and I have the Holy Spirit, then I'm not sure I actually need anything else. Like it should be all like Holy Spirit and the Bible should be all sufficient. Um, But I think my response to that is, is absolutely like God is our all sufficient God. Um, and, and yet at the same time we are human. And so as much as this, like, so I've kind of put it this way for some that are really struggling with this, as much as a, a surgeon has a skilled mind and skilled hands to know how to cut disease out of a physical body. Mm -hmm. So does a professional counselor or therapist have a skilled mind and, and, and skills and methodology to help cut disease out of um, our, our internal world and, and the, the, again, mental health challenges that we face and inner turmoil and, and experiences from abuse and trauma and loss and, and all that makes up the complexity of our, our inner world. And so um, we would not look at the Bible alone to get rid of the cancer in our body. Yeah. And we would not look at the, bo- the bo- uh, Bible alone to you know, heal ourselves from uh, diabetes. I mean, we would pray to the Lord and believe in the miraculous work of God that can heal our bodies. And we do pray for that. Just like, I mean, when I was struggling with depression and anxiety, I mean, I prayed all the time, you know, through that whole season in my life, which was at least a decade, you know, or more that God would bring healing that, you know, he would bring miraculous healing. Um, And yet we know that God has given us the gift of science of the mind the science of our brain our emotions the study of human behavior and then these professional counselors and therapists who have studied all of this and researched all of these these methods to help a person again unravel and unpack what is happening inside and so why would we not just as much as we take advantage of the surgeon um, and their help why would we not do that for for the counselor and another um you know thing that has, um, or another thought that has helped me is also recognizing that, um, you know, counseling and therapy approaches actually vary. Um, and so you may find someone that you really didn't like. And so what I see sometimes with people like, well, I tried it once, or I heard so-and-so tried it and it really did not go well. Um, and so I think being careful to not let one experience of another person or an experience of yourself discount the whole of, um, you know, of counseling and therapy, because there are really amazing people out there that are very skilled. And sometimes you just kind of have to go through a few people to try to find that, that right, that right person. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot to this question too. Um, There is. Yeah. 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 Cause I think, um, it's also like, I also think about just something like this and you talked about community a little bit earlier. Um, there's a bunch of research out there that shows that uh, when a person is listened well, so listened well is the key, listened well to as they process externally, there's actually changes in their brain that are happening. And mm-hmm. so those neural pathways that have maybe been created from trauma and from abuse and, and loss and things like that, um, that need to be healed, they're being healed as they're processing out loud, as they have an empathic person that's listening to them. They've literally put brain scans up of, of people to show the improvement over time wow. as a person has worked with a counselor or a therapist. And so 
um, there is power in listening well and um, and being able to, to process. There are clear researched and developed methods and treatments um, that these skilled counselors and therapists are using. That it's because some people would say, well, I have a great friend and they're a great listener. So that's <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, but that and, that, and those friends are so helpful and they're so important, but there's just some complexity that that exists in us that we need, again, someone that is skilled um, and professional to be able to help us unpack um, and to, to teach us new skills. So counselors and, and therapists also teach skills. So their goal isn't just for you to heal and feel good, like mm-hmm. just talk therapy, but, but most um, of the goals of therapists and counselors are for you to build resilience. And so, and then, so basically you're equipping yourself with skills and tools that you can take once that relationship has ended, you can take them with you and apply them, you know, um, to, to your life when you face new challenges uh, along the way. Um, and then I think the final thing I would say is that the, the work being done in counseling and therapy is less about that moment and all the methodology that's being used and more about the relationship that's been built there. So you have a empathic and empathic, compassionate uh, person that takes time to listen and give care. And we all need that in our lives. Um, And so again, I could go on and on, but, um, and I think scripture teaches, I mean, we can talk about that, you know, um, in the conversation too, scripture is clear. I mean, all throughout Proverbs, seek counsel, you know, person that depends on their own mind is a fool. Um, you know, but when you seek counsel from an abundance of counselors, there's life in that. And, um, you know, Paul addresses the importance of the mind and Mm -hmm. the renewing of the mind and what you think about matters. And sometimes you need that person that's skilled to help you kind of retrain how you think. So anyway, again, I could talk about it forever, (laughs) but go to counseling. (laughs) (laughs) I love, love the, the analogy you use of a doctor who has the skills and just the same a counselor and a therapist has those skills to mend to the mental health of our being. I, I love that because we don't normally look at um, counseling from that perspective. But when you begin to see that it's 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 beneficial and it's needed, you begin to realize how much I, could, I can do mm-hmm. this. I, I can try this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I would say, too, like um, just that don't wait again there's always the reactionary versus the preventative yeah. and reactionary is always going to take more work than preventative. And so um, just still do it either way, even if it's reactionary. So say you have like, you know, the presenting problem, you know, I've, I've lost loved ones. I'm grieving. I'm struggling with anxiety, depression. I've experienced trauma, et cetera, et cetera. Like I, this is why I'm seeking counseling. Yes, do it. Um, but even for those of us that may not have any of those things, like we don't identify with that. It's like, well, then why would I go to counseling? Mm-hmm. Well, just go to counseling to have someone uh, that is objective and neutral, <laughs> like not within your sphere of influence, you know, right. not someone that you have to like put up pretense towards, like just someone that you can just completely be yourself and just vent and process, you know, all kinds of things like seek counsel, even if you don't have some of the other, you know, bigger challenges that others might have. That's good. What would you 
um, say is like a practical way of breaking through the barriers of the voices in my head or family opinion or just the stigma Mm -hmm. overall of going to counseling? Yeah, I mean, I think the first way is like listening to a podcast like this (laughs) um, that that advocates for emotional health and mental health and advocates for counseling, helps you learn more about all of these things. Um, There's just a lot of assumptions um, surrounding all of this. Like, you know, the work that you're doing here is so important because it's just breaking down those barriers as people are listening because barriers get created out of assumption Mm. um, and barriers get created out of what um, like either internal, uh, you know, internal challenges or external challenges. And so, so for example, like if it's a cultural assumption, you know, some of our cultures do not uh, promote counseling because they would prefer to promote privacy and and the family values of privacy within the family don't step outside of the family. It it just would be really inappropriate culturally to do that. And that's hard. Um, But at the same time, you know, being able to um, make decisions, not just based off of cultural uh, assumptions or cultural determination, but off of what's happening inside of you and, and what you feel like would be best for you at that time in that season uh, is really important. And so um, at the same time, recognizing that all of that plays into whether it's media, it's culture, it's our faith of practice, like origin, practice, um, our families, our friends, they all could be defining this for you. So mm-hmm like you need to see that um, and you need to really understand, break all that down and understand what counseling truly is, understanding again, what mental health truly is, the importance of it, what the Bible says about the importance of mental health. Again, Paul talked about mental health all the time. It's really important. The fruit of the spirits, the whole list of the fruit of the spirits come out of our thought life and our our emotional life. and so I think also surrounding yourself with people, um, like, again, like yourself who are advocating for it, ask trusted pastors, ask trusted friends, seek out information from podcasts like this and, um, research. And then, um, I think also, um, you know, having courage is just really, it's hard to have courage, but I think about, I think about, um, because again, this is a conversation that comes up a lot with, for me of like, how do I overcome the barriers? But like, when we look at John chapter five, um, and if you're familiar with that passage, you'll kind of get it immediately. What I'm saying, if you're not, I would encourage you to go read it. But in John chapter five, Jesus sees, um, he's at the pool, but as he sees this, the sick man that's mm-hmm. been there for 38 years and he's lying there. Um, and Jesus, and so there's a cultural thing that's happening. Like the sick people come and they lie you know, at the pool, they need to enter the pool to get well. Um, Jesus is asking him a question and Jesus always asks questions of people that like, like they need to hear that question. Like (laughs) that's very intentional. He's like, you need to hear the question I'm out to ask because you're going to be challenged. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Your answer is not what I'm looking for, but so Jesus asks questions that people need to hear. And so he asks them, do you want to get well? Right. And when he asks that man, do you want to get well? Um, the man comes back with a barrier and he comes back and says, I can't get into the pool. Other people get there faster than me. 
And, and Jesus tells the man to overcome that barrier, to stand up, to have faith, to pick up his mat and walk. And so Jesus is in essence saying you can overcome because I'm here. I'm Jesus. I'm encountering Jesus. I'm going to give you what you need. So as I give you what you need, pick up your mat, stand up, have faith, walk. And I think that's just the level of courage that we need to have with Jesus is to know that when Jesus says, do you want to get well? Um, we can take the courage and overcome whatever barriers we, we know are present. I would say also there's a cultural barrier that's being overcome there because as he starts to walk away, people start coming at him because he's carrying his mat. And they're like, wait a minute, it's the Sabbath. You shouldn't be carrying your mat. And then like, <laughs> Jesus shouldn't be healing. And yeah. so there's a culture barrier that Jesus broke in that moment. So I don't even care about the cultural expectation of what should not be happening. Healing should not be happening on this day. Jesus overcomes all of that. And then he equips the man to overcome that as well. And so we really just simply have to say yes to Jesus. When Jesus says, do you want to get well? We say yes. And then he's going to help us overcome those barriers. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that out. Because I feel like we look at the scriptures so much and, you know, sometimes we hear stories and we hear it from the pulpit, but never from this perspective. And so it helps you to realize that, you know, Jesus was trying to show us something and it's good to be able to see it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a thing I would love to ask too is like, what if someone's listening or, you know, now they're willing, their barriers are breaking down and they just you know they're thinking all right maybe I can do this counseling thing but I don't have the insurance or like me I'm a college student so you know the money's mm-hmm. not there to even yeah. do counseling if um there is insurance there's they don't accept insurance what um are the resources that you could provide that you know may be free or something that would help to you know take that step forward yeah I mean, that is definitely a very real challenge um, for people, for all of us, whether it's having insurance and yet still not being able to afford it because copays are really high um, Mm -hmm. or not being able to find the right counselor or therapist that takes our insurance or not having insurance. Um, Yeah, of course, if you're you're a student and you're living on campus and you are on your parents' insurance still, yet you're out of state. So then you have like the state issues as well, because therapists can only, yeah. Anyway, yeah, there's so, (laughs) so many barriers there. And I mean, I would just, and it is complicated. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be like, well, if you just do A, B, and C, then you can figure this out. It's unfortunately, it's not that simple. Um, and, and it can be really tough. So I, I think first of all, is just what we just talked about, which is, um, doing, you know, kind of working to overcome those barriers, um, and, and have courage. Uh, and again, trusting in God that I, I just genuinely believe that as we trust in God, he provides what we need. I just have seen it in my life. And, um, but I also think as we reach out to others, so reaching out to a friend, a pastor, a parent, a teacher, professor, you know, someone that we really, again, we have a trust with, we value and we respect, um, asking for their help you know, asking, like opening ourselves up and saying, you know what, because honestly, some people, they say it's about the money or they say it's about insurance, but really it's not even like, there's other barriers there, you know, um, it's actually that they won't even tell people that they, they want to have counseling. Um, so we've got to at least first be willing to tell our, our trusted community, Hey, I'm looking for a counselor. 
Mm. Um, I really think this would be helpful for me. And as we do that, then, you know, number one, we get their support. And then we also have accountability from them to, for they'll follow up with us and say, hey, have you found somebody? Um, then also they can help us research if we feel too overwhelmed. Cause sometimes we just feel so overwhelmed, yeah. like trying to find someone. Um, so, so again, those companions on the journey, the friends, family, pastors, et cetera, can help us um, research and, and ask. So again, asking for help. And then also there are some um, different options out there. One is, you know, looking for a therapist or counselor. Many of them have sliding scales. So um, they may not actually, some may not even take insurance and they do a sliding scale or they take insurance and they do a sliding scale. If you go to psychologytoday.com, uh, which is a great counseling database, a lot of them will specify. Um, if they do a sliding scale, oftentimes it's um, a pretty reasonable proportion of your income. If you're a student or you have a, a lower income, then it's going to be a smaller portion to pay in the fee. Um, I think also that um, there's like a, a website called freechristiancounseling.com, freechristiancounseling.com. And um, they work with licensed um, professional counselors and they offer the first session for free. Um, and then I think it's like $50 or something like that after for okay. each session. Um, and then there's also... Um, like betterhelp.com is another one that, um, again, they do flat fees. So finding like, especially if you don't have insurance or you live out of state where your insurance is like, again, if you parents that live in another state, um, looking for online counseling can be helpful. And they usually do flat fees or sliding scales, which again is a proportion of your, like a percentage of your income. So like 10% of your yearly income. Okay. So if you make $20,000 a year, then it would be $20, like, yeah. or not 10%, I think it's like 1%. Anyway, um, so there are a lot of options out there. You just, honestly, Google is the best way to go, you know, in terms of like free. Um, but I, again, I think checking into those people, like, again, if you're part of a church, then checking with the pastor, because they may have referrals. Um, some churches will even subsidize counseling costs for their congregation, for their members. Um, college campuses will often do that. Um, and, and then just, you know, like the money that you're using to eat out or to get coffee, like put that money away. And even if you're only able to afford one or two sessions a month, Hey, that is, you know, I think we kind of go all or nothing. Like I got to go all in or I'm not doing it at all. And I think that there are options that are, are there in between. And, and I always say like, in the meantime, while you're trying to figure all that out, again, talk to a friend, talk to a pastor, find a mentor, like find someone that you can pour your heart out to, um, so that you still are getting in a practice of sharing and processing, right. even while you wait to find the right resource. I don't know if that's helpful. I know it's not like great specific resources no, I, but I, I feel like it's it's helpful and it's good to know that at least if you make a step forward it's a step and it's progress any progress mm -hmm. is progress so I, I like absolutely yeah. yeah are there any books you know for the readers the readers out there who might want to mm. say all right let me read a book instead yeah oh gosh yeah yeah because I would say sometimes you know um, books can be great 
they're not a, a substitute like for traditional counseling, but they right. can be so helpful. Um, I think Emotionally Healthy Spirituality uh, by Peter Scazzaro is really, really good. Um, I also think the Boundaries series by Dr. Henry Cloud um, is also really good because it talks a lot about like internal and external boundaries, which right. contribute a lot to our, our mental health. Um, yeah, I mean, like I'm so, sh I'm sure there are like so many more and they're not, they're not coming to me. I mean, I, and this is going to sound a little crazy because you have to be a little careful. Um, but YouTube, there are a lot of like pretty quality therapists that are placing like cognitive behavior practices, like techniques online so for example teaching you how to kind of start paying attention to your thought life so that you can really track those negative thoughts that come in and impact your overall mood and behaviors um, there's some skilled therapists that are putting content online that are like teaching about trauma and understanding the impacts of trauma um, so you have to be careful because you might get some like something that's not as good a quality um but there are there is some good content out there and so um I would even do some research online and like I said positivepsychology.com um has some helpful like basic things there's some websites out there psychologytoday.com also puts great articles out um yeah so there are definitely tools out there. You just kind of have to weed through some of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They may not, they may not all be helpful, but. Thank you. Yeah. This conversation was pretty helpful to me and I'm pretty sure it will help those who are listening. I mean, would you mind closing out in prayer for us? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Father, we Thank you so much that you care about us in every way, your creation. God, we thank you that you care about the whole of who we are, not just what we do for you or what we are learning about you, but God, you care for every part, Lord, emotionally, mentally, physically, relationally, intellectually, Lord, um, spiritually, God. And I thank you, Lord, that you are our greatest counsel and God that you also encourage us to seek counsel from others. Lord, I thank you that you lead us um, not just in our relationship with you, but you lead us in community with each other, that you transform us, Father. God, I pray um, that you would just bless every listener today. And God, I pray that you would help them hear what they need to hear for their own life and their own situation. God, I pray that you would bless Grisha and this podcast and the, the work that you're doing here. God, may it go forth and be multiplied um, to many people who need to hear the truth of your love for them and the truth that you care about the whole of who they are, including their um, mental and emotional well-being. God, we love you and we thank you for the wisdom that you offer us, not just through your word, but through your people. and um, in, in this world. God, we thank you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Well, there you have it. Another episode on mental health. I pray that this was super helpful and thank you so much for joining in with us. God bless you.